let me tell you about a guy named Don Parrish. Don Parrish is an extreme traveler. It started when he was little. Like a lot of kids, Don had a stamp collection. And the more stamps he collected, the more interested he became in where the stamps came from. And by the time he was eight years old, he could look at any stamp and immediately tell you what country it was from. Don is now 77, and instead of stamps, he collects countries. In an average year, Don visits over a dozen of them. He's been to every continent, you know, Asia, Czech, Antarctica, Czech, and he's racked up more than 5 million air miles. 5 million. And for a while, Don was ranked number one on a list of the world's most traveled people. There's a list. And Don Parrish isn't the only person on it. He's certainly not the world's only extreme traveler. And the list he was ranked on isn't even the world's only extreme travel leaderboard. These extreme travel groups all work in pretty much the same way. They divide the world into pieces, first by country, and then by regions, like states or provinces. And travelers like Don go and check them off, like boxes on a list. They are literally boxes on a list. And technically, to be able to mark a visit to one of the places, one of the regions within a country, all you have to do is get there, have your passport stamped, and you're good to go. When I first heard about this, my immediate thought was that this might be sort of the exact antithesis of what I think travel is. Where is the joy and wonder and discovery in turning travel into an elaborate chore? I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura. And today, we're going to talk to someone who sees the other side of systematic travel. Dave Seminara is the author of a book called Mad Travelers, And he is here to explain how extreme travel works, the kinds of people who love it, and how it really, truly helps them see the world in a different way. That is after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. So 
I started to get to know all these guys and my bias coming into this community was, well, I'm not sure whether these guys are really good travelers or not. Because my definition of a good traveler coming into meeting this community is not just how many places you've been, but what did you learn or how long did you stay or things of that nature? What was your experience there? Were you just touching down and then leaving? Dave Seminara always thought of himself as a world traveler. He spent years working as a diplomat in the Foreign Service. He lived abroad. He's been to 49 out of the 50 states. He even describes himself as a kind of travel addict. But a few years ago, Dave started writing a book about extreme travelers. And long story short, after really getting to know these guys over a period of six years, um, I found out that I was wrong about most of these people. The gold standard for a systematic traveler, an extreme traveler, isn't just to visit every country in the world. No. Now that is essentially just child's play in the top community. Instead, it's about visiting every region of every country, visiting every island, every dependency, essentially every place on the map imaginable. You've got to be hardcore. These people, they're not going on vacations. These are not holiday makers. The places they're traveling to are difficult. The journeys are difficult. You cannot book these trips on TripAdvisor or Expedia. And to make it even harder, the lists are constantly growing as new places are added. Like last year, Chad, Mongolia, Iran, Peru were all divided up into smaller chunks. So now you have to visit all those new regions if you want to cross them off your list. How many is is that now? What's the kind of total number? What do you have to do to achieve that? Oh, my gosh. It's a lot. And so the different clubs have different ones. Uh, but I could tell you, for example, uh, most traveled people is one of them. And there, there it's about a thousand places. Now I'm looking right now at the Nomad Mania website and the number one ranked traveler. Now, the interesting thing too about these travel clubs is most traveled people, the number one ranked traveler on most traveled people is Charles Vealy, who is also the founder of most traveled people. And the, num- <laughs> the number one ranked traveler on Nomad hmm. Mania is, also, hmm. is Harry Mitsidis, who's also the founder of, of Nomad Mania. And so- What so, are the odds? Yeah, so <laughs> I'm looking at Harry Mitsidis' statistics right now. And he's been to 1,243 places and has just a couple of Mm. dozen left. So there you're looking at about 1,300, 1,400 places on that list. Some of the places are pretty basic for an extreme traveler. You know, France, forget about it. But then there are places like Bouvet Island. The world's most uh, remote island in the world. It's owned by Norway. The seas are so treacherous. And this is the South Atlantic Ocean we're talking about. Look on your globe. It's way off in the middle of nowhere, rolls Rose from Rhode Island, uninhabited, extremely difficult to get to. And the problem is a number of these guys have spent a lot of money getting there, but cannot land on the island. So they can see it, but the waters are too treacherous and they can't land. So just seeing an island is not enough. That doesn't count. You have to figure out a way to get on that island and step onto it. Now, in a place that has an immigration officer, the visit only counts to your ranking if you are admitted into the country and stamped in. But an island like Bouvet Island, where there's nobody there, all you have to do is step on it. So, but that's very difficult to do. But once, say, you're admitted, technically, all you'd have to do is get admitted, walk 10 steps forward, turn around and leave, and that would still count as a visit, right? There's no other criteria besides sort of being legally allowed to enter and having your physical corporeal self in that space. In answer to your question, yes, somebody can have a very shallow visit and it can count, But what I found is that these guys who are traveling so, so much 
They don't really, they don't do that. And, you know, especially university, you're going to spend all kinds of money to get to these places. You don't want to just leave 10 minutes later. You don't want to leave a day later because you've actually, you've taken your time. You've spent your money to get there. You want to see stuff while you're there. I mean, they really do. So that those kind of cheap visits are, 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 I would say, quite unusual amongst the top people. I'm not saying mm. there's not somebody who's ranked number 500 who doesn't do that for every country. There certainly are, right. I'm sure. It's worth pointing out that, that traveling in this way is obviously uh, both time-consuming and really expensive. A lot of these guys, and Dave says most of them are guys, tend to be wealthy. Some of them travel full-time. They're a pretty international group, uh, but the majority are from North America and Europe. And in case you were wondering, and I was, a lot of them don't have children. It would be hard to do this with children. Do you find that there's a sort of profile uh, of or personality type of people who do this? Yes, but there's exceptions to that as well, too. And people also ask me, too, are these people rich? Because that's one of the most common questions that's, I get. Yes, another question I have. <laughs> the answer is a number of them are wealthy, but not all of them. So, for example, Jorge Sanchez, I've written about him before for BBC. He's ranked number three. And Sasha Grebo, who's ranked number two. These guys are budget backpack travelers, ultra. I mean, Jorge Sanchez has worked his way around the whole world, working as a bartender, a busboy, um, a cleaner, every sort of blue collar job you could imagine. Sasha Grebo is very similar. Mm. So there's exceptions mm. to every rule, but I would say there's a number of people in this community who have attention deficit. I think a number of them are like me in that they're hyper curious, not just curious, but hyper curious about different places of the world. Um, and I do think there are a lot of people who are, for example, Charles Vealy is a software engineer. Um, I do think there are a lot of methodical right brain thinkers in this community, although there are exceptions mm. to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is it's it's it sort of takes the whole world and creates a very organized kind of rigid system about yeah. thinking how you might go about traveling through it, which yeah. is just one way of, of thinking. I, and, and that, yeah, I'm not surprised that there's you would see some of that. So this is a very systematic, extremely kind of rigid way to think about travel. And it also sounds like it's a competitive way to think about travel. Yes, it is. A lot of them won't admit it, but yes, absolutely, it's competitive. And But it's a friendly competition, let's put it that way, because these guys, hmm. they all know each other. It's a small community. They cross paths. They need to cooperate. But it's also somehow strategic in a way, too. So, right? so if, you, if you're number one and other guy's number two, you're not going to ask the guy who's number one to come yeah. on the boat with you. You'll ask guys who are a little lower down in the rankings, right? And you'll hope... The guy you're trying to catch doesn't get on that boat, right? right. Or that you know he misses his <laughs> flight or he doesn't get a visa or whatever. But it's a friendly competition, though. I don't want to make it seem like these guys are stabbing each other in the back. But is it competitive? It absolutely is. They, they all want to be the world's most traveled people, even if they don't admit it. They want it. You know, I think the thing that rubs me the wrong way about this is, is it feels like you're looking at the world and just seeing a series of places to you know, collect, that it's so much about you and so little about the world. And before he started working on his book, Dave said that, you know, he kind of thought the same thing. I'll come back to my first meeting with Don Parrish. He asked me, so how do you choose where you go? And I said, well, I don't know. It's not a systematic approach, just wherever I feel like going. You know, if I'm interested in this place or a person or a museum or whatever, that's where I go. And he said, well, you're just cherry picking countries. You're just cherry picking the best, most comfortable places. And I'd never thought of it that way before. And I realized that, well, I mean, I guess he's kind of right. I am cherry picking hmm. places, whereas he thinks more systematically. Like, okay, here's South America. 
I am going to visit every, I'm going to exhaust South America and I'm going to visit every damn place there. Whereas most other people don't really think that way. I can admit that there's something appealing about marking off a place you've been to. Like, I do get that. Alice Obscura has a button you can click that marks that you've been to a place. And I've done it. And it feels good. It feels good to say, oh, wow, this is like I've been to a lot of interesting places. This is neat. It takes something that's so subjective, like the experience of a place, and it kind of lets you feel like you've completed it. Like, if you're looking for a more qualitative experience and you say, Mm -hmm. I really want to understand Russia. I really want to understand Peru. Like, there's no point where you get to check that box. I think, you know, when I said this in my book, too, and I got into this a little bit in my book of really what is quality travel, I think that there's many different ways to indulge wanderlust, and, and they're all, none of them are wrong, necessarily. We're all very different people. We all indulge our curiosity and our wanderlust differently, and I think it's just arrogant for me or people like me to say, well, my way is the, is the quality way, you know what I mean? Because I'm staying yeah. for six months in Brazil, and you were only there for two weeks, so I'm better than you. And I just feel like, you know what? We're all doing things differently. We're different people. Your approach is not better than mine. My approach isn't better than yours. Yeah. Although there's an irony in the fact that in this movement, even though it sounds very communal, there's also a literal way of saying, I am better than you because I am higher on the (laughs) ranking than you are. Yeah. But but you know, the thing about the rankings that I love is that because I asked these guys too, well, what happens when you complete your list? Oh, no. And they said, no, but you, but the list is not static. See, the it's lists are constantly changing. changing. The yeah. lists are constantly changing. So you never, you are on a hamster wheel because they're constantly adding places. So there's a humility about it too, where even if you might be ranked higher, guess what? You wake up the next morning, you log into your computer and someone's leapfrog you. And I think a lot of us who are in this world of you know compulsive travel, we like quests and it gives you a yeah. goal and it, it, it gives you sort yeah. of a purpose to what you're doing. You're not just on vacation, you're on a quest. Thank you for taking the time to uh, talk with me about about your book and about this community of folks of which you uh, you have, I think, you know, a toe in and a, and a toe out. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks to Dave Seminara for taking the time to talk with us about Extreme Travelers. His book is called Mad Travels, A Tale of Wanderlust, Greed, and the Quest to Reach the Ends of the Earth. If you are a systematic traveler who is checking off the regions of the world one by one, let us know. If you're on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we want to hear about that too. Maybe we can start a, a group of people who can travel the smallest distance, but discover the most incredible things within that distance. It will be called the Xenos Paradoxers. And I am starting with the journey from my couch to my fridge, where I got to tell you, wonders abound. Uh, Either way, let us know. Uh, You can email us at hello at atlasobscura.com. And please tell us about what kind of traveler you are. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Sarah Wyman. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Manolo Morales, Gianna Palmer, 
Tracy Samuelson. John Delore. Casey Holford. Peter Clowney. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.